Hi, everybody. This is uh, the Bat Flip Podcast. My name is uh, Matt, and I'm here with uh, Damien today, and we're going to go over some trade deadline uh, review here. How's it going, Damien? It's going all right. Yeah, we got a trade deadline was just happened yesterday as we're recording this. It was on Monday. Uh, I was traveling, so when I got back, I was super exhausted, so sorry for the delay on this one getting out, but there's quite a bit of action that happened. Even we didn't know how much was going to Oh, yeah. It's going to really come to fruition, but I mean, as of right here, we're looking at about 25 deals that happened, so we're kind of going to, as we go, kind of hit on the standings, um, not really go through a big breakdown like we usually do, and then uh, we're going to skip the players of the week this week just because we really want to make sure that we, on some of these trades that are, are bigger deals, we want to really go in-depth on the prospects and, and, and people that are, are moved so we can give you guys a better better idea of, of what a kind of a trade deadline entails yeah and as we go we'll talk about some of the who we think are the winners and losers of the deadline and um some teams with some interesting strategy for sure there were some very interesting moves you know fringe contenders making trades you know non uh you know the contenders staying pat um you know some teams that were pretty out of it not selling and um, it's, it's an interesting trade deadline for sure so Yes, it was. Well, the first trade, it was kind of a smaller deal that happened. Um, Chicago White Sox got Gerard Dyson from the Pittsburgh Pirates for 243300 in international bonus money. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Gerard Dyson, veteran outfielder. Um, the White Sox needed an outfielder. Um, you know, Eloy Jimenez... Um, not a great defender and you know Dyson can step in and be at least a, a decent defender uh, Dyson's always a guy who can be a good bench player as well if you need him um, you know he's a he's a good runner and uh, you can you throw him out there it's defensive replacement throw him out there in the base paths um, and you know for the Pirates I mean you you definitely that international bonus money is something that you definitely need to acquire if you're in rebuild mode I mean they're a team that you know you're that's that's a large way a lot of teams that have rebuilt the last several years you know star players have come out of that that international bonus uh money and and signing international free agents i mean just look at the white Sox, who they made this trade with who you know luis robert is an international free agent look at the right look at some of the other teams look at uh you know obviously yoan Moncada wasn't signed by the white Sox, but that's another international free agent who's turned out to be really good that's on the white Sox, the team that's trading away this money so um it's definitely a win now mode move for white Sox. and uh i mean the pirates the worst team in baseball right now is you know that's that's a good thing to get some get some money back for a veteran a rental type piece so yeah it was not not a huge deal but i yeah. mean being that being a fourth kind of outfielder that can you know be a def defensive replacement or a pinch runner when they need it, a pretty solid deal for both sides. Like you said, Pittsburgh's in the rebuild; that money will help sign somebody. For sure, for sure. Um, the another next one was it was pretty much a surprise to me. I did not see this one coming. Um, it was the Oakland Oakland Athletics acquiring Tommy Lastella from the Angels for infielder Franklin Barreto. Um, Barreto was a highly touted prospect at one time. Um, he's kind of really failed at the major leagues to really be anything. He's been pretty much a low on base guy in the majors at all. I mean, in his action, he's got 250, a 250 on base, a 253 on base, and this year or last year a 138 on base. 
Um, and he hasn't, he's played in 15 games this year and he hasn't got on base once. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, obviously just 10 plate appearances this year, but seven strikeouts on those 10 plate appearances. Um, he's a guy that, I mean, like you say, former top prospect, um, he's got swing and miss issues. He has this ever since his, he got into the upper minors. I mean, you look, go back and look at, you know, last year he put up a 121 WRC plus in triple a, which is, you know, a really good number. And, uh, but you know, he struck out 27% of the time, which is really bad, even though, you know, that's a good season in triple a 295 average 374 own base percentage, 552 slugging percentage. And that's over uh, 98 games. You've got a guy that, you know, he's still, striking out a lot and you know that could be a little bit inflated you know by by the triple a baseball that you know they had last year and by the uh his batting average on balls and play being really high so he he's a guy that i mean he's never put up numbers in the big leagues i mean tw- look at look back in 2018 in triple a as well 32 percent strikeout rate is horrible mm-hmm. even though he had a very high you know he hit a lot of home runs and had a had a good um you know good good offensive numbers overall that's just something that you, you see a lot that that's not going to translate to the major leagues. He's going to have to be better than that at, you know, at, at making contact because he's got raw power. He obviously does. I mean, he's hit a lot of home runs in the minor leagues. He's got, you know, the speed, he's a real toolsy player, former top prospect, but I mean, you just, he's going to have to at some point figure out how to hit and um, at the big league level, make contact, or he's just never going to tap into those tools. Right, maybe a change of scenery is exactly what he needs. I mean, we for see sure. it before, you know, prospects that kind of flame out in one spot, go somewhere else, and, and maybe just a different approach organizationally or different numbers that maybe a different organization brings to you and, you know, maybe something they see in their swing. Who knows? Um, you know, Listella was, um, is ticketed for free agency, um, so it's really only for one month. Um, you know, it's, it's kind a of a good... win yeah, he's a good pickup for the A's, though. Um, he's he's a good player. He's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just it's for the one month. You know, trading up a guy like Barreto. I mean, we'll see how it ends up. But right now, it looks like a win-win deal for both sides. Um, oh yeah, I mean, getting anybody with you know any kind of talent for a, a one-month rental is a pretty big deal. So. Uh, the next one, like we like we said on um, our previous episode, bullpen arms are always something that are going to move a lot. Um, San Diego, who we will talk about plenty in this episode, they uh, they probably it felt like they made twenty five trades, but yeah, this was, is going to be was, the Padres episode. <laughs> yeah, this going to be the. We should just title it San Diego Padres trade deadline. But uh, they got Trevor Rosenthal from the Kansas City Royals for. Edward Oliveras and a player to be named later. Um, you're going to hear a lot of player to be named later's in this episode. Um, some people we have found out the names by the time this article was, you know, it, it hasn't been updated yet. Um, but basically, because of the whole COVID situation, each team has a pool of about 60 players that they are allowed to call up to their big league squad and down at a time. Um, and MLB said this year that you can only trade players in that pool. Well teams obviously found a loophole in that and they just decided that each player that they want to trade that is outside that pool they'll just call him a player to be named later and then when the season is over they will basically say that is who gets traded so they don't have to yeah. be in their pool technically it's it's a workaround that obviously teams found um so i wish we had more information on who these guys were because some of them might be bigger prospects um right but we just don't know at this time so if, if we do 
if we do know, we'll hit on it. If not, um, we'll you just have to might be. never it's, know. I mean, there, once upon a time, Trey Turner got traded by the, from the Padres to the Nationals, the player to be named later, and that's mm-hmm. all that turned out to be. So, Yep. So, I mean, Rosenthal, he was a big reclamation project. I mean, I think he signed a minor league deal um, in December this last year. He looked awful last year. Um, and then I don't know what it was, but, you know, the Royals kind of just found something. I don't know if it was more using his fastball a little bit more, if the velocity finally just came back. I mean, he was coming back from um, Tommy it, it, John surgery. Lots of injuries has derailed his career because he was once upon a time really, really good for the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, you know, he came in uh, like a 531 ERA, um, the San Diego bullpen did at least. Um, and, you know, he finally, Rosenthal finally got his control issues somewhat under wraps, and he's got 21 strikeouts. Um, with only seven walks in 13 and two-thirds innings. Um, you know, he, he's looked really good this year. Um, so Padres, with Kirby Yates especially being out, they made you know a conceited effort to really get some more bullpen arms. And, and this is a guy who can be – I wouldn't say he's going to be in the back end, but he's obviously a guy who they think is going to be an impact guy for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, Padre, getting back from the Padres um... – is uh, Edward Olivares, who is an outfielder. Um, you know, he's kind of an interesting player. He's 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 definitely a little bit of a slower mover. Um, you know, he's about to turn. You know, he's he's currently 24, about to turn 25, and he's never been above the Double A, except for a small cup of coffee in the big league so far this year. Um, with the with the you know the inter- the different the differences that we have this season. Um, he's had, he's a guy that's had good, um, pretty good numbers in the minor leagues. Um, he's not a real high rated prospect. Um, you know, I don't think he's too big. You know, I don't think the, that scouts are too high on him, but he's a guy that's put up some numbers in the minor leagues. Um, you look at last year in double a 127 games, he, uh, you know, he, he had an 8% walk rate, an 18% strikeout rate. So he makes a fair amount of contact. Um, you know, the power came through a little bit, 18 home runs, um, you know, he's he he wasn't a superb power hitter or anything, but he's a he's a guy that looks like he might be able to make it into the big leagues and and you know have a chance. So yeah, and getting him for a guy like Rosenthal for the rebuilding um, Kansas City Royals. I mean, and and we'll we won't know the extent until we see, find out who his other player to be named later is. Um, I don't expect it to be a big name prospect, but. Getting a guy like Oliveris who can just maybe be a part of that rebuild is it's a it's a decent haul for a for a guy like Rosenthal. Yeah. Um. So the next one was a bigger trade to me just because I love one of these prospects. Uh, have ever since he got drafted was the San Diego Padres acquired uh, first baseman Mitch Moreland from the Boston Red Sox for uh, Jesson Rodri- uh, Rosario and Hudson Potts. Um. Moreland has a $3 million club option for next year with a $500,000 buyout. Um, he's hit really, really good this year. Um, and I, I, it's a pickup. I mean, we've talked about Cronenworth, um, Jake Cronenworth a lot on here. It seems like they're just going to move him to second base and allow Moreland and Hosmer to kind of just take over the first base DH role. Um, yeah. You know, Moreland's hit really well. We'll see how it translates over to, you know, Petco Park. But, I mean, the way he's looked this year, it's a really big pickup for uh, for San Diego. 
Yeah, that's, that's a good that's a good trade for for San Diego. I think um, you know you get a guy like Mitch Moreland, and, and like it's and, you know like you say, the, neither one of those prospects are necessarily bad. I think both of them have a chance at you know probably they're probably the two best prospects we've discussed so far, the best chance to make it in the big leagues. But um, but you know it, for the Red Sox, I mean you're not going to win this year, obviously got one of the worst records worst teams in baseball probably not going to win next year either you know Moreland's a guy that's a veteran first baseman so you know why why do you have him you know you can play you can plug in like Michael Chavis there to get playing time this year a young guy and then um, you know you can pick up a couple of prospects who have a chance um, like you said you're talking about Hudson Potts um, being one that you really like and he's a big guy huge swing and miss he's got a really really good raw power but he's a big swing and miss guy you know if he makes contact he could end up being a really good player um you know a, a big power bat um and then Jesson rosario is kind of the opposite he's more of a a speed guy um he's still he's gonna have to work on making a little bit more contact for my liking uh, looking up his numbers a little earlier still striking out a little bit for too much for a speed you know a primarily primarily speed guy but he's got a lot of tools and he's a fast outfielder and he, there's a good chance that he'll be able to hit so um you know the 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 red sox probably out of those two guys there's just a good chance they got one one of them being a major leaguer at some point a, a legit major leaguer yeah i have liked pots um, ever since he was drafted like i said i mean he does have a lot of swing and miss but if he can if he can tone that down just a little bit he has big big time power um i know they fan graphs has him at a 60 power i i think he has a little bit more power than that um but i mean he does have to tone down that swing and miss to to really be effective but it's a really good really good deal for the red Sox. like we said they're also in that rebuilding phase as well and you know trading a 35 year old mitch moreland i mean for for those two guys that's a really good deal yeah uh, for both sides yeah i think that's very very balanced good trade um, the next one we have is the Atlanta Braves acquire Tommy Malone from the Baltimore Orioles for two players to be named later. Um, I don't expect either one of those to be anybody big name at all. Um, but yeah. I'll go ahead and let you talk about Tommy Malone, Matt, because you're a Braves um, So, so here's the thing about Tommy Malone. If this was the the, the biggest problem the Braves had at the deadline was not adding on to this trade, because I don't think this trade in a vacuum is that bad. I mean, the Braves got a guy who can eat some innings. You know, obviously Tommy Malone. I know he had a horrible outing in his first outing as a Brave on Sunday Night Baseball national tv and everything but i mean he's a guy who's had a sub four era this year so far his peripheral stats look like he's you know actually been decent uh, you got a guy that i mean you're not really going to give up anything i mean uh, the two players to be named later I, I think it's unlikely that the braves would give anything more than maybe a back end of you know maybe a middle relief prospect of some kind you know it's one of those things where, you know, in a vacuum, this trade's not that bad. It's just that the Braves didn't add anything else that but we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I said, it won't be much. I mean, Malone, like you said, innings eater. Um, not a not a major case, but, I mean, Atlanta needed anybody yeah. that could throw the ball anywhere in the vicinity. He's, of an upgrade over, he's an upgrade over Josh Tomlin and Robbie Erlin and yeah. a the – rotating wheel of prospects that they've been 
doing for it seems like for about two years now. I mean, whether it's Sean Newcomb or whether it's Kyle Wright or whether it's well, of course Sean Newcomb. It's hard to consider him a prospect anymore because he's not. He's been in the big leagues for like five years. He still can't throw strikes. But it's between you know between those guys. I it's one of those things that um, you know he's gonna hopefully he will be able to add some stability to the rotation at least and throw strikes and maybe. You know, if he could give you, if Tommy Malone could give the Braves five innings of three-run ball when he, every time he goes out there, he's gonna it's gonna be absolutely perfect deal for Atlanta to get him. Um, it just for for this trade specifically. I mean, um, when you're not looking at any of the outside stuff, but we'll talk about some of the out, some of the other stuff later. Yeah. Um, next up, we got a really head-scratching deal to me. Um, I did not get this one at all. This was a. Uh, Chicago Cubs getting DH outfold first base Jose Martinez from the Tampa Bay Rays for two players to be named later. Um, Martinez was part of a big deal this offseason from the Cardinals to the Rays that gave up top-tier pitching prospect um, Matthew Libertor, um, making him go to St. Louis. And uh, in this one, I mean, like we said, we don't know what the two players to be named later are, but after trading a guy like your top pitching prospect, for this guy, and they did get another outfielder in that trade. Um, Randy, I'm going to butcher her last name. Randy Arazarena. Arazarena, I think. Yeah. They, uh, but to, I mean, Martinez was supposed to be the headliner in that deal. Um, he signed. I mean, you can keep him through 2022. Um, and to trade him for two players to be named later, which we don't know that those are at the time. But I, I know the Cubs needed a, a left-handed hitter, and they got one, a great one in Jose Martinez. But I just don't understand this from the Rays' side at all. I, I really don't understand. It, and, and of course, you're talking about the players to be named later. This, this might be a, you know, a pretty high-profile minor league, lower minors guy. Like this might be a, a, a recent draft pick that they're high on or something. It has um, to be to make any sense at all. Right. For, for, the, for Jose Martinez, you got a guy that. I mean, he he's listed as an outfielder slash first baseman, but he really can't play either one of those positions. No. Um, you know, you've got a guy who has really struggled, um, you know, against everybody the last year or so. I mean, he, he was pretty mediocre last year. He's pretty mediocre this year. He can still hit lefties some. Um, he's definitely he's under control for a couple more years. I mean, it, it makes a little – it makes sense for the Cubs and for the Rays. I mean – you know, if if you feel like you've got somebody who can step in right now, um, then it just seems like this. This seems like a trade where the Rays are selling when they shouldn't really be. I mean, they're top of the division right now. They yeah. have a four and a half game lead. This just doesn't feel like a trade that. I mean, like we said, we don't know who the yeah. two players to be named later are, but right. they should be one of the teams that are are, are kind of pushing a little bit more for it this year. I mean, they were rumored to get Joey Gallo. So, I mean, if, you know, they were in talks for him at least. So, I mean, if that was yeah. a trade that would have happened, which it didn't, spoiler alert, then this trade yeah. makes absolutely more sense. Yeah, I mean, but, I know that they I know that they really like Randy Rosarina and wanted to get him some more at-bats. But, um, I mean, every time I question the Rays, they seem to, you know, make out pretty well with whatever. I mean, they've got the lowest payroll in baseball, but they're – probably right now one of the best teams in baseball i mean they're leading the al east by five games or whatever it is so i mean i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait and see that's one of those that like i say that's gonna be such a big deal who that prospect is that they're getting back who the who the players to be named later are because 
you know, that, that, that can make a big difference in a trade like this because it might be a low minors guy that's, you know, pretty got a pretty good chance or that scouts love or something. Yeah, one thing you said there that needs is we could look really stupid um, with how we're yeah. breaking down these trades in just a couple of years um, because these players, to be named later or whatever, they could be somebody yeah. pretty big and, and just come back to divide us with our opinions. Um, um, other the next one was a guy who's been rumored to get traded for I don't even know how oh long. Gosh, I mean, three, it seems two like or three every, years at least. Every yeah, year. at least it seems like oh yep, this is the year he's getting dealt. Oh, this is the year he's gonna get dealt. Oh, he's gonna get packaged with this guy, and he never did. But this was the finally the year that it happened. Um, and that is Baltimore Orioles now Colorado Rocky um, relief pitcher Michael Givens. Um, so Colorado got Michael Givens, and Baltimore got infielder Taryn Vavara. Um, yeah, infield like outfielder Tyler Nevin um, and a player to be named later or cash considerations. Um, Givens is a guy who was he, he's been really touted as being um, um, a uh, I'm really blanking now. He's a he's a lethal right-handed specialist. Yes. He's That's a, what I'm he's been the closer for the Orioles and. Yeah, his um, motion is really funky the way he comes from. That's what I was trying to say. He's yeah. he's been a guy who's been noted as being really funky the way he hit the ball comes out of his arm. Had a really um, good slider. Yeah, when his when his fastball and slider combo were working, uh, it was deadly because they both came out of the same plane, but then the slider would just completely disappear. Um, you know, this year he had he's been really really good. He has a 138 ERA. It is only in 13 innings. Um, last year he really struggled. But this is a guy who – it's going to be interesting to see how he deals with Colorado where the slider is usually – the slider and curveballs are usually something that break just a little bit less because of the thinner air. Um, but Colorado always needs pitching. And to give yeah. up a guy – you know, they gave up a couple decently real prospects. I mean, Nevin's got 55, uh, you know, they're 55 power they're talking about, in-game power, and, and 55 hit tool. There's not much of a fielder. Um, but he is already 23 as well. Um, Vivara is more of kind of just a solid all-around guy. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything, just not anything great. Yeah. Varva, um, Varva had really good numbers in the low minors. Um, now he's a low minors guy at 23. So, you know, a, a guy in, in high A and in single A at 23 is, you know, you don't really know how that's how to take that. But he's a guy that also has had a 13% strikeout rate in in high a and uh you know 160 wrc plus so this guy just absolutely torched high, uh you know the the low minors last year um and um you know has really good plate discipline numbers so that's um that's something that's a pretty big deal for them and, and evan is a guy that you know his plate discipline numbers have been pretty good for the most part as well he you know you talk about him having a, a high amount of raw power um, you know, he's not a huge strikeout guy. Now there might be a little bit of a swing change that he needs to make tap into that raw a little bit more. That would maybe lead to a little bit more swing and miss, but this is a guy that, um, you know, last year in double a, you know, 16% strikeout rate, 12% walk rate, good plate discipline. Um, he, you know, he had a little bit of a low, um, a little bit, he was a little bit low on the, um, on the, uh, the balls in play and on his average on balls in play. So maybe that 251 average, come up with a little bit better luck um you know the 400 slugging percentage is a little bit disappointed uh, disappointing for a guy with his power but he's a legit prospect both these guys are legit prospects so 
Yeah. Uh, they're both 23. Um, you know, so I'm not sure how much of an impact they were going to make to Colorado. Um, but going over to the Baltimore, how we already talked, you know, they're a young team. They've looked really good. They've played above than what they really should be playing at. Um, maybe they get a couple guys that can help them out in the future. And uh, Colorado gets a badly needed bullpen arm. I guess kind of signaling they're going forward after they've looked really bad um, as of late. But yeah. pitching is something you always need in Cougars Field. So uh, yeah. it, it's a really good pickup. I, I did not expect them to be the guy that picked up Michael Givens at all. Um, yeah, for sure. So the next one we got is the San Diego Padres picking up uh, catcher Jason Castro from the Los Angeles Angels for right-handed pitcher Gerardo Reyes. Um Gerardo Reyes seems to be a uh, – I don't know if he, he's projected more as a, he's a uh, open arm, I believe. He's a yeah, right. reliever all the way. He's got a yeah. super good fastball, uh, good stuff. He's really a two-pitch guy. His command's rough. He's, his command has been better, though, the last couple of years in the minor leagues. Um, looking at 2018, 2019, going from – in, in 20, 2018 in – High A, he had a 661 walks per nine, which is awful. But then in 2018 in Double A, after I guess a promotion, he got from after that he got um he got a lot better. And you know, this is a guy that's going to miss bats. He's going to strike people out. But the commands really gets what's going to be the issue for. Him. But he's the ceiling of a back end of the bullpen. You know, a, a closer type type. Role. Yeah, and he's already he's already 27. And he's um, been to the big leagues. He, he pitched in 26 innings last year for the Padres and um, lots of strikeouts. The walk rate wasn't terrible. Um, he got hit around a little bit, but in 26 with a 7.62 ERA in 26 innings. But his peripheral stats showed a little bit better than that um, with a 3.41 FIP. You know, which that's usually that usually is a pretty good indicator that his ERA might have been being so high might have been a little bit fluky. Um, so we'll see. It, it's a, this is an interesting guy, um, you know, to get for a role player catcher. So yeah, I, I didn't think um, Jason Castro was going to be that much of a uh, an upgrade from what they had in Austin Hedges, but they uh, it it made me shake my head. But we will uh, we'll hit on that on why this yeah. actually becomes a bigger deal um, in hindsight, and just actually pretty much the next trade that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, which this one was probably the second biggest trade, um, and yeah. the Padres also made this one as well. And <laughs> spoiler alert, they they actually made the biggest trade of the deadline as yeah. well. Um, but this one was for utility man. Uh, I think he's played he's more catcher, catcher than anything yeah. this year, but they he can play some second, some third. Um, Austin Nola, he's the big headliner um, going to the Padres, uh, and two relief pitchers in Dan Altavia and Austin Adams for. Infielder, outfielder, Ty France. I mean, he's more of an infielder, but he has played a little bit of outfield, I believe. Um, Taylor Trammell, which is the big, big name going from San Diego to Seattle. Um, relief pitcher Andres Munoz and catcher Luis Terrenes. Terrenes? I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Um, Nola is a guy who, he's a late bloomer. Uh, he is 30, but he's looked, it, this year especially, he's looked phenomenal, but He's a guy that I started actually hearing about last year. I, I'm not sure if that was his first taste of the majors or I not. Think it's, I think that was his second year, but he was, this um, was his first good year. Yeah, his first good year, and he hit really, really well. Um, you know, in 2019, he batted 269, but he had a 342 on base. He's had 10 home runs. Um, 
you know, that that's when you kind of start getting your name for yourself. And then this year he's hit 307, um, 377 on base, uh, you know, a 525 slugging percentage. You know, he, he's somebody that, I mean, people are saying that this they might have won this deal. And and you know, if you look uh, back, like we said just a couple years ago, that we would not have, you know, this these things can change really fast. Yeah. So. I think the Padres, I actually think the Padres did win this deal. Um, Austin Nola is a guy that can catch, but he's a good hitter. And that's something that is rare to see these days. I mean, they're going from the opposite a guy that, uh, and Austin Hedges who couldn't hit for worth a lick, but he could, you know, he's a good catcher. Um, you, you flip the page and now you've got a guy like, um, Austin Nola who can really, really, you know, really hit for, for somebody who can, you know, who can play catcher. Um, and I really like that trade. I, I think I thought it was a great trade for them. Um, Austin Nola's a young guy. He's under control for a while, um, you know, and then you get a couple of pretty good bullpen arms as well in that deal. Um, you know, you're giving up uh, Ty France, who has got a lot of publicity, but I really don't think he's going to be a great major league player. He, he's, gonna, he's definitely going to be a major league player. He already is. He's, he's, but I think he's more of an going to be in a role player bench bat type type situation. He's not a good defender at all. Um, he he's got good raw power, um, you know, but he's got swing and miss. And he he doesn't have great plate discipline. He's a free swinger. Um, so I mean, I think he could definitely, you know, if he works on his approach some, he could end up being a little bit better. Obviously, the headliner is Taylor Trammell, um, who was just traded, you know, year before last from the Reds to the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, the thing about Taylor Trammell is that he's gonna he has a huge name because of how he did early in his minor league career, but he really had, was not very good last year. Once he got to the middle, uh, once he got up into Double A uh, with the Reds last year, which was the first half, um, the plate discipline numbers were pretty good, but the power wasn't there. Um, the power wasn't there at all. I mean, six home runs and 381 plate appearances. Um, you know, he had only a 106 WRC plus, which is not great. I mean, it's about average league average, um, a 336 slugging percentage and a 236 average were really what held him back. Um, and then the Padres, when he got to the Padres, he really didn't fare that much better. I mean, in fact, the plate discipline went away a little bit within his, in a shorter amount of time with the Padres double A system. Um, you know, he struck out 27% of the time and Taylor Trammell is a guy that I think is, He's got a lot of raw power, you know. People are still, you know, crazy over how he did in the futures game, um, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, right. And he's he's fast, he's he's rangy, he can play the outfield, and 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 he's a good runner. Um, but the big issues I have seen with him from you know reading up on him a little bit more and focusing on what he's done the last couple of years is it's got to be hard for him to be an elite outfielder with his with his arm. He doesn't have a very good arm, and um, He's gonna have to if he if he doesn't he's gonna have to tap his raw power a little bit more than he has um, because right now I mean his hit tool is pretty good but it's not gonna play without him hit with him hit, hitting no home runs I mean without him hit, hitting for any power like I mean a three thirty slug it's you know a three thirty six slugging percentage in double A is not gonna cut it I mean this is a guy that he's he's still pretty young I mean he's twenty two. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to have to make some improvements. Um, and you've seen him fall in the prospect rankings the last couple of years, too. I mean, this is a guy that was I'm pretty sure at one time like a top 20 type prospect. That's Now he's a – Fangraphs have, has him at 68 now. So um, 
I th- I still think he's very well might have a chance. Um, but who knows? And then um, Munoz. Um, I don't know if you know too much about Munoz, but yeah, he's he, a he's a bullpen he's a arm, a great great you know fastball. You know, Fangraphs have him rated at an eighty fastball out of eighty. Yeah. Um, his slider's a fifty-five um, right now, projected to get to a sixty. Yeah. Um, I know he is uh, rehabbing Tommy John. Yeah, Tommy John's um, the big thing there. They would not I have think, traded him without it. I think he just had it this year, which means he's out. All of this year and most, if not all, of next year, I believe. Um, yeah. He's a straight bullpen arm, like we said, two pitch pitcher, fastball slider. Um, he, like we said, flamethrower has a lot, a lot, a lot of upside. But the Padres are going for it now, and and that'll be, we'll we'll hit on that a little bit more in the next trade. But trading a guy like Munoz, that that's actually a big name as well. Um, you know, some argue that he might be a bigger deal than trading. Taylor Trammell because they figured he, this guy could be a high-level elite closer um, yeah. when he does finally come back. But uh, that that's definitely yeah. – he's definitely a big arm. And then Terenas is a – you know, he's not a rookie anymore, so he hasn't – we don't have his grades of what they grade him much anymore, but he never seemed like a guy that they were going to invest too much in. Um, you know, between last year and this year, he played in a total of – 14 yeah. games with them so far. Um, You're talking about a, you know bringing in a guy that is also under control for a while too. Right. So yeah, so you know Terenius isn't he's more of a, a throw-in in this deal. Um, you know he hasn't really proved much at the majors. Um, I mean his highest on base is a 3.33, and that was in seven games this year. Um, but he might profile to be you know a backup catcher in the league. I, I, I don't think he has any starting value. You never know. Um, in this league going forward, but so, the next deal is uh the this one. is the the big one. Um, I hate it that the Padres did this deal because that means that they get substantially better in the Dodgers division. But they got um, Mike Clevenger from the Cleveland Indians and Greg Allen and a player to be named later. Um, you know, for a prospect who's been in the majors this last couple of years, Josh Naylor, um, Cal Quantrill, a pitcher, their catcher, Austin Hedges, which is what we kind of referred to. We didn't think that they would do anything with him because he's been a really defensive catcher, but um, also Gabriel Ar- Ar- Arias, uh, Joey Cantillo, and infielder Owen Miller. Um, really, really big deal. Um Clevenger for the Padres is massive. It's something that they have been trying for many years. You know, they were in the Chris Archer sweepstakes for a long time, and then they were like, okay, this is the year we're going to go for um, uh, Noah Syndergaard, it was. And then they were going to be players for Max, uh, not Max Scherzer, um, for Garrett Cole. You know, every time a big yeah. name pitcher comes up, it always seems, you know, they were in the talks for Trevor Bauer yeah, last year. Got him. Um, that's where they, the actual whole Taylor Trammell came over in the Trevor Bauer deal last year. But Clevenger, I mean, obviously we've talked about what has, has gone on. And, you know, the Cleveland's come out and said that they didn't trade him for this whole reason. But a guy who's under cl- club control for another two and a half years, uh, I think he's actually controlled through 2024, actually. Or Clevenger. no, he's, Clevenger's, no, Clevenger's through, through 2022. Yeah. Allen is through 2024. Yeah. Um, Allen's but Clevenger, <laughs> Clevenger's an ace. Uh, I think he's an ace. Um, many people have him as a good two, um, yeah. but I think I think he's definitely just what the Padres needed to go along with Paddock and uh, Denelson Lamette 
at the top of that rotation. Yeah, so the thing with the Padres on that deal is that um, I, I like it for the Padres. I, I don't hate it for Cleveland. Um, I think the I think for the Padres, I, I think Cleveland could have gotten a better return when it comes to elite prospects, but they got a lot of prospects in this deal. Yeah, you know, they got they got you know three you know really good prospects plus the two big league players that they got. So. That's a big deal. Um, you know, obviously Clevenger's wasn't wouldn't have been traded if it wasn't for his issue with um, you know with uh, with his clubhouse issue. But uh, a couple of the big names that got that came back for the Padres from the Padres were Josh Naylor, who I mean he's a guy that he's got a huge draw power. Um, he he's got. Um, <laughs> He's a he's a hitter. He's he's yeah. a designated hitter. I think he's going to be a designated hitter. I know that he's. I think Cleveland's planning on playing him in the outfield because they just need outfield so bad. But I mean, Josh Naylor is. Can, he's he's got twenty grade speed. I mean, the guy. He's not going to be a very good defensive outfielder. Yeah, um, they really have two DHs with him and Franmil Reyes. Exactly. I, um, I don't really understand that part of it. Um, because they did have a DH, you know, if you're going to go get an outfielder, then get somebody who's going to be an outfielder. But, um, I mean, now Josh Naylor is a good, you know, a good, really good prospect and he's got a chance to be good. He, he's had really great plate discipline numbers in the minor leagues to go along with his plus raw, you know, raw power. And, um, I think it's a guy who's going to hit. And then Cal Contrell, um, he's a, a former top draft pick from the Padres. Um, and he's a guy that I think, um, I mean, you talk about him with the Padres and you don't know, but then you talk about him with Cleveland and you feel like he's probably going to be pretty good the way they develop pitching. And and for that matter, talking about Mike Clevenger, I think Mike Clevenger is a really good pitcher. And don't get me wrong about the Padres being smart and going to get him, um, especially with the fact that the Padres didn't give up one of their top three prospects, top four prospects. Like they, they gave up some, some good prospects, but they didn't give up like one of the their elite, elite prospects that they have. The thing about the thing about him is though that he is you don't know how much of that is the way that pitchers have come into Cleveland and done so well and then left Cleveland. It's kinda of like in Houston. Pitchers gone in through Houston and done really well there and then left and they've been good, but not quite as good maybe. Um, you know, you hope that Clevenger is able to keep it up. It's it's a little bit risky, um, especially with a guy that's had those clubhouse issues in Cleveland. Um and, you know, he he's a guy that hadn't been great this year. Um you know, I know he spent that time in the minor, you know, at the AAA camp because of the whole clubhouse issue with going out, uh, you know, leaving the team hotel and everything. And uh, but I mean, he it, it'll be interesting to see. This is a guy that has ace potential, though. And and uh, you know, you would you would if you expect him to do what he did in Cleveland, then he's you know perfect uh, for for the Padres because they didn't need need a pitch starting pitcher, but you know, they very well could have used it. So yeah. Um... And just kind of hitting on the rest of the prospects, Arias is—he's one of those guys. He doesn't have a lot of hit to his game, but he's got—you know—he's scouted to be an average power hitter and speed, fielding, throwing, kind of everything else. But his contact is is kind of what is the problem there is. Um, Cantillo—he seems to be more of a bullpen arm than uh, to projected at least. He doesn't have a great fastball, doesn't have a great curveball. His changeup is really his big pitch. He's more of a command guy. Um, you know, if he can, if he could just go fastball, 
and change up, he might be a decent arm out of the bullpen. Yeah. Um, you know, he would really have to develop, you know, if he wanted any hopes of being a starter, really develop that curveball a little bit more or yeah. maybe even maybe even a slider. Um, Owen Miller is a guy who is pretty solid at everything, you know, graded anywhere in between 40 to 55 on, on everything he does. Um, doesn't have a lot of in-game power, but his speed is decent, feeling's decent. Just he, he's pretty much a throw-in that's just kind of decent at everything. I mean, he's 23, he's at Double A. Um, you know, maybe they're just shooting for fish in a barrel right now with that one. Um, they they this trade seemed to be more of a uh, a quantity prospect over quality. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it depends on really how Naylor and, and if they can turn around Quantrill, because Quantrill was supposed to be a big, big prospect, and he's really kind of struggled. Well, he's been, coming he's up. been okay. He hasn't been, he hasn't he hasn't been what they expected. More, he, he hasn't been yeah. the, the high-ranked prospect that yeah. everybody thought he was. Yeah. Um, so that that's the biggest trade that happened. Uh, I, I don't think... I mean, we kind of saw rumblings of Clever, Clevenger being traded, but... I mean, for it to actually happen and the Padres to be the one that yeah. finally are able to pull the trigger, that was, uh, it was quite shocking. Yeah. Um, so, uh, kind of a couple other ones. Um, Oakland kind of gets Mike Miner. Um, he was really good last year, struggled this year. We don't really know the return. A um, couple yeah, players will be named be, later. Um, um, the big it could th- be a, could be a good deal for the, Oakland. Uh, um, he, yeah, it depends on um, how he does once he gets into you know, if, if he's able to do it, he's still, his stuff's still the same as it was last year. I was going to say for the Rangers, though, they should have traded him last year easily. Uh, that yeah, was really and, dumb of them not to. And he's, you know, they're not going to get anything near back what, for him what they could have gotten last year. And for the Rangers, because talking about this deal about, it, you know, this is a perfect example of why you trade people at their height of their, uh, at the height of their value. Yeah. They did not trade Lance Lynn, who we made a lot of uh, conversation on yeah. um, and deals on. They there was discussions about the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Braves, um, and they ended up not trading him. You know, he signed through next year, uh, yeah. but he you were never going to have a higher value than he had right now. Um, and for them to not make yeah. that deal is really really disappointing. Yeah, um, with I mean, whatever it was. I don't really understand it either. Um, you know, looking at some of these other trades pretty fairly briefly, um, the Blue Jays got Robbie Ray, who's another guy who's been talked about being traded for a long time. Yeah. Um, Robbie Ray has not been very good um, this year. He's still he's still the same guy. I mean, he he walks just he walks the whole stadium. I mean, he his fastball still good. His he's got good breaking stuff. His he gets swings and misses. He just can't. He just, he's just, he's, he's, it's infuriating how little he, how poorly he's, he can throw strikes. The stuff's still really good. Um, yeah. And, uh, they didn't give up much. I mean, they gave up yeah. a, a guy who's a, he's a bullpen arm, uh, fastball, yeah. curveball, um, decently okay command about average, but didn't give up much. Um, you know, like you said, Ray struggled um, to really find the strike zone. So, I mean, if, if, if Toronto can find something in him, then they got a decent pickup, but he's only supposed to be for, you know, the rest of this season, then he's a free right. agent. So, yeah, so. not that big of a deal. The, the, I would say another one of the bigger deals, which we kind of talked about a little bit beforehand, um, was the Miami Marlins getting Starling Marte for left-handed pitcher Caleb Smith, uh, right-handed pitcher Humberto Mejia, and Julio Frias. Um, you know, Marte, it, 
has been really good this year. I believe he's batting over 300. Um, he's playing a really good center field still. Um, I didn't understood why understand why Caleb Smith was in the deal. Um, he's a guy who, when he's on, he is really really good. I mean, double digit strikeouts per game when he's on, but he can also really get hit quite a bit when he's off. Um, I don't know much about Mejia and Fryas. Maybe you do a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, you talk about um, Mejia is a guy who he actually got a taste of the big leagues this year, but he's really a low minors guy still. He just he got the chance because of the uh, because of the issue with um, with the, the COVID issues the Marlins had. Um, but he's been pretty good there. Um, you know, Frias is kind of the same way. He's a low minors guy right now. I mean, he had, he has not gotten that that chance in the big leagues yet, but he's a low minors guy. Smith has issues. I mean, he, he gives up a lot of home runs. I mean, he hasn't been great. The big issue I have with this deal is, and and the Mar and I think the Marlins got a really good deal for Starling Marte. I, I think Starling Marte is a good player. He's under control next year. The big issue I have is that why are the Marlins making win now moves? I know that they're currently technically a postseason team, but this, they really don't have a chance at winning the world series. And why are you making a win now move? And even if Caleb Smith doesn't end up being that great, it's not like he's, it's not like, you know, if you're going to trade him, uh, trading him is not the problem with, for me, trading him and for a guy that who's going to be not going to be a part of your contending team in a couple of years is not very wise in my opinion. But I mean, who knows? I, I, I'm assuming the Marlins are real. We're really expecting Caleb Smith to not pan out. And, um, you know, giving up a couple other low minors guys is interesting for sure. I don't really, I don't really understand that too much. But. Yeah, it, they shouldn't be a contending team this year, but they're they're making a move to go for it. I mean, yeah. at least you got to give them a little bit of props that they're going for it, like the Pittsburgh yeah. Pirates never did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we got a kind of a three and one, um, just because they're very minor deals. But the Cubs yeah. got. Uh, Andrew Chafin, uh, Joss Oshich, and Cameron Maben. They were all their own separate deals. Yeah. Um, they, nothing was major traded for them. Um, kind of just want to group all those together. Yeah, it, um, it's players to be named later, Cash. And I mean, I don't. I thought the Cubs had a poor deadline. Chafin could be good if he plays, but he's injured right now. He's still in the DL yep. or the IL. Um, and then Cameron Maben's a bench outfielder who really isn't that good and. I mean, he he can play, but he's you know he's a big leaguer, but he's not really that good. And then you've got a guy that uh, Osich is a pretty average lefty, so I don't really understand that too much. Um, another big deal that we talked about uh, was the Jonathan VR deal. Yeah. Um, which is I thought was really interesting as to why the Marlins are buying Omarte and then trading their best player so far this year. Um, <laughs> right. So. I love that, you know, the, the return the Marlins got. This is a deal they definitely should have made for yeah. Griffin Conine, who has been very, very good in the in the minors so far. Um, you know, he could end up being a really good player for Miami, not to mention that the fact that his, his, his dad was such a big, big player for Miami back in the late 90s when they won the World Series. So... Um, yeah, the problem with with Conine, I mean, he has a lot of swing and miss in his game as he well. Um, he is 23 and he's only at single A ball. Um, obviously, he doesn't didn't really play this year because the whole minor leagues being canceled. Um, but as of last year, when he played 80 games, he had a 30, almost 36 yeah. percent strikeout rate. Um, 
you know, three is still a 371 on base. So I mean, he's he's still getting on base even though he's striking out, which yeah. that's a very good um a, a very walk. good indication. Uh, you know, a 11% walk rate is is good. Yeah. Um, he, but like we said, I mean, 22 home runs in 80 games. You know, it's 348 plate appearances. That's still massive, massive power. Um, you know, yeah. if if it, it's a deal that the Marlins could bring him up and and see what he's got. I mean, Lewis Brinson really hasn't panned out much, and the rest of their outfielders aren't really showing much else. I mean, Harold Ramirez and uh, oh, what's the other one they have? Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Monte Harrison. Yeah. Um, they haven't really shown you know much yeah. of being. Of course, anything. Monte Harrison. Monte Harrison has been good in the minor leagues. He just barely got a chance at the big league level. Right. Or so. Um. So it, Conine's a really big. I mean, it was really interesting for for them to get him. Um, yeah. A couple of the other ones, a Goodwin being traded, uh, Brian Goodwin from the Angels. I mean, he's yeah. a really good player. I think very underrated. I think we both feel that. Um, Packy Noddington, which I think is probably the best name that was traded, <laughs> uh, and a and a cash or a player to be named later. Um, I mean, Reds just getting a, another outfielder. Angels kind of getting a. You know, another arm that they can use. I mean, they always need pitching, um, especially the Angels. Yeah. Um, the Diamondbacks trading Archie Bradley to the Reds for Josh Van Meter, who's a utility guy, and Stuart Fairchild. Don't really think either of them are going to be, you know, much. They, neither of their names really jump off the page when you look at them. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Fairchild was like Cincinnati's 11th prospect, but they don't have one of the better prospect uh, groups in baseball, anyways. So. Yeah. Wasn't much there. Um, the Mets getting Miguel Castro from the Orioles. I mean, they traded a left-handed pitcher and, and player to be named later, or Cash as well. Um, I mean, Castro's been decent this year, but I mean, he's been a guy who's been traded multiple times over. I mean, I, I think the first time I heard about him was the Troy Tulowitzki trade when he got traded from Toronto to uh, to uh, Colorado. Um, but he's just never been a guy that panned out. You know, Baltimore, he's been decent, but... Yeah, you're not giving up very much. Not giving up much. Nets, yeah. So. Um, the Padres getting another bullpen arm in Taylor Williams. I mean, I guess he could be a starter as well, but I think they're going to be thinking more of him as a bullpen arm. Um, he's con through, controlled through 2023. They got a player to be named later, um, so we don't know what that one is. Um, the Kevin Mets Moore. reacquiring uh, Todd Frazier and Robinson Torinos. Um, they give up two players to be named later. I mean, Torinos is probably going to be their backup to Wilson Ramos. I mean, he was only five for 42 at the plate this year. Um, Frazier's a guy New York knows well. Um, I'm guessing this means that J.D. Davis is injured a little bit more than people think he is uh, yeah, for them to get Frazier again. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, J.D. Davis can also play the outfield, so I, I don't yeah. really understand the move too much. Um, right. The, the obviously we talked about the Cubs getting Maven. Um, we talked about um, you know the, the Kevin Pillar going to the uh, Rockies. The Rockies, yeah. Interesting. Um, David Phelps going to Philly from the Brewers. Um, that's that's an interesting trade. I mean the Phillies didn't really do too much to add to their bullpen at the deadline. They they added a bunch of guys, but they didn't really add any top arms until Phelps who. You know, he's been good this year, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what they do with him. Um, and then um, the, um, the the la the big the last big deal was I, – I know you'll have opinions on this one, but Ross Stripling to the um, – Yeah. 
to the Blue Jays. I really didn't understand that deal very much. I know Ross Stripling's not under control much longer. Um, I guess a couple of years, but I, I really don't understand why um, why the Dodgers would trade him. I mean, um, it's confusing. If the players to be named later need to be pretty good because Ross Stripling's a pretty good pitcher. Uh, I know he hadn't been great this year, but well, we do know uh, it did come out today. One of them, at least, um, and that was. Right-handed pitcher Kendall Williams, uh, 20-year-old, 6'6". Um, he projects to be right now a bullpen arm. Some think that he could be a starter. Um, decent fastball, decent curveball, decent changeup command. Um, you know, I think he was the, I want to say he was the 11th ranked prospect for the Blue Jays. Um, you know, he only he was just he was a second rounder uh, in 2019, a second round draft pick in 2019 from the Blue Jays. Um, he, so he only pitched 16 innings last year. He started the five games. He had a almost 11% walk rate, uh, or walks per nine, I should say, or Ks per nine. My bad. Strikeout rate per nine. Um, almost four walks per nine. So he needs to his command needs to get a little bit better. Um, but he only allowed a a 167 uh, balls in play, and he had a, a 263 FIP, a 113 ERA, and a 332 xFIP. Um, in those in those 16 innings, he struck out 19 people. Um, so yeah, you would he, expect his you would expect his ERA to come up a little bit, but the, he was still pretty good. Yeah, and his command is something that can get a little bit better. Um, you know, Dodgers have always been somebody that can make pitching. Um, they always develop pitching really well. Um, so he is the one guy that I I saw today that came through. They we don't know who the other one is yet. Um, the only reason that I I understand with Stripling um, from what everything that I've read about it is that um, they want to get Tony Gonsolin into the rotation full-time and they have Stripling has has said vocally that he does not want to go back to the bullpen so they pretty much it was coming at a time where they also needed to um, activate Alex Wood off the IL um, so they just they have too much respect for Ross Stripling and everything that he's gave them, so they decided just to, to do a deal that it, it works for them as well um, and give him the opportunity to go somewhere else and start and not just be demoted to the bullpen again. Um, and then that allows Tony Gonsolin to get pushed into the rotation full-time. Yeah, and that's something that makes me wonder why. Because, I mean, Tony, no offense to Tony Gonsolin, but you've got a proven big league pitcher in Ross Stripling who's been good for his last three years, and you're going to bring in a guy who's. I mean, Tony Gonsolin's a pretty good prospect, but he's not like a top, top prospect. I don't he's understand. He's been really good. Um, and Stripling's really struggled this year. Gonsolin's I know he struggled this year. but um, The fastball splitter curveball that Gonsolin has had, um, he's been really good this year from watching him. Um, he doesn't walk people a lot. Um, you know, he's not that much of a high ground ground ball guy, but uh, it it's one of those scenarios where Stripling he's a good starter. He's really struggled this year. He's a better bullpen arm um, to me at least, and I just think that they don't want to put him back in the bullpen where they he he's better. He wants to be a starter, and they just kind of were like, okay, you know, we have too much respect for you. Sort of the same thing with uh with Kenta Maeda. Uh, you yeah. know, they really they. Same thing. He wanted to be a starter, and and they thought he was a good uh, starter during the re regular season. But when it came postseason, he was an even better reliever, and he didn't want to do that. Um, you know, he wanted to be a starter, and, and it's their right to do that. Um, you know, Stripling is. I have a lot of a lot of feelings towards that guy. He is uh, one of the best human beings or end teammate you'll find, and 
it was a really big deal for him to want to start. I mean, he was very vocal. Um, yeah. Anytime that he was put to the bullpen that, you know, this is what the team needs now, but I am a starter. Um, and he made a – when they uh, – before the season got canceled to COVID, it had come out that he had kind of lost the fifth starter job um, to Alex Wood and that they were going to put him in the bullpen. And he was very vocal about that. He said he didn't feel that he had a uh, a fair shot to win it, you know, and they kind of had their mind made up because when they signed Wood, they told Wood that he was going to be a starter. Um, so I think it was just one of those deals, you know, they want to get a guy like Gonsolin in there who more team control and just let him finally get established and not bounce back and forth between maybe a bullpen or maybe starting or yeah. maybe down in the minors and – and and I think once given more of an opportunity, Gonsolin will be very good. I mean, I, I think he could be a four. I mean, I think he's a, probably a a really really good four. Um, you know, on a championship team, maybe he's a maybe he's a, a five. I mean, if he's your five, that's very you're doing really well for yourself. Um, so and Kendall Williams is a very real prospect. Um, they said that uh, from what Andrew Friedman said that both guys were going to be um, going to be very big guys that they felt impacted quite a bit. Um, that neither of them were major league ready. Yeah, um, they're both low it, low minors guys. They're kind of lottery yeah. type. So. so once we figure out who the other one is, Marshall or Williams becomes the 16th ranked prospect right away on the LA thing. So he was I think 11 with Toronto. Um, they got a lot. They got a lot of good guys. So I yeah. I just think this is a deal where they kind of just. Uh, uh, yeah. Respect for one guy and and wanting to give the other guy an opportunity. I think Stripling's uh, through next year, no, twenty twenty two. Yeah, he's got a couple um, of years of control left, so uh, um, he's really struggled this year. Maybe, hopefully, going to Toronto, teaming up with his old guy, uh, Henjin Ryu again, to yeah. help him, uh, help him turn it around. So, so yeah, that's interesting. So, um, who you know, we're we're about to run out of time here, uh, but who are your uh, biggest winners and losers of the deadline? I think you're. I think the winner has to be the Padres. Um, you know they're going for it. Um, I think your biggest loser, which I I think it might surprise a lot of people. I think it's the Texas Rangers. Um, you know they they missed a big big opportunity to trade Lance Lynn. Um, he will. He's at the best that he's ever pitched. Yeah. Um, you got the rest of this year and signed through next year. Um, and for a team you know like the Braves that maybe were. You know they're looking for pitching as well. The Dodgers were rumored. Uh, the Yankees are looking for pitching. You could have capitalized and maybe got a little bit more um, for him than than what you should yeah. have got even. So, and uh, good. So I was just gonna it, you you, t- you talked about that and I, and I agree with you on the on the Rangers. Here's the reason why. If you're the Rangers, are you what, what's your what's their plans next year? Are they trying to exactly. win next year? If they're trying to win next year, then I understand it. But at the same time, they're asking the Braves, and, and I don't know what they asked the other teams, but the, the package they asked for from the Braves was Drew Waters plus for a guy that for a pitcher who's got a year left of control and, and a month, a year and a month, basically. I don't understand yeah. why they thought they could get that out of any team, even if the Braves are desperate for pitching. And I don't understand why they don't move Lance Lynn for a slightly lesser package, regardless of who it's to. Because that that's I mean that that's an outrageous ask for you know to get a top a top twenty five prospect in Major League Baseball plus more for for a guy like that and, and the same the, the same factor you know um, you talk about them I mean it, it's they 
they move Mike Miner. They, they're selling, too. They're, they're, they're doing that, but still selling. They sell Mike Miner. They sell Robinson Trinos. I, I don't understand why the Rangers thought that it was a good idea to hold on to Lance Lynn but sell these other guys. Um, and then you look – I think if you look at a couple other teams, I think if you look at – you know, I think the Braves, obviously, a big loser at the deadline, not getting another pitcher than Tommy Malone. Um, you know, we'll see what – what happens with that rotation going forward, but it's not an encouraging thing to me. Um, I was pretty upset about that yesterday. And um, you got a couple teams that stood pat that I felt like, you know, like, like the White Sox, you know, they, they could have very easily gone out and acquired a pitcher. I mean, you know, I know Ross Stripling, it sounds like the Dodgers got back a couple of realistic prospects from him for him, but they're also low minors lottery tickets. You know, it's just like, are you telling me that the Braves couldn't have given up somebody just slightly better for Ross Stripling? Because he would have definitely improved the Braves' rotation. I mean, the White Sox are kind of in the same boat. I mean, maybe to a lesser extent, because the White Sox do have a somewhat decent rotation right now with, with a couple of good pitchers in there. But, like, um, and, and, but I, and I think, uh, you know, you talk about the Padres being the winner, and I, I think that the Padres did well. You know, they got a couple of big names. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait and see on Clevenger because just for, for some reason my gut tells me he's not gonna be the same Clevenger anywhere else that he was in Cleveland. Um, and then, um, but I'll tell you, I think the A's did really well getting Mike Miner uh, by low on Mike Miner, who's still got the stuff that he had last year. Um, plus, you know, bringing in Tommy Lastella for a guy who may or may not ever you know, make it as a, a big leaguer, maybe a reclamation type project. So I thought they, I thought the A's did well. Um, yeah. I thought the Mariners did pretty well. Um, I did. I loved the Padres deal for uh, Austin Nola. I, I didn't love the Clevenger deal. I liked it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was neat for the Padres. I, I didn't love it for Clevenger, but, um, but, but the Austin Nola deal, I thought, I think is going to end up being the one that really puts them, in that discussion. Cause I, I think that was a really good trade. A guy who is a good hitting catcher, um, you know, plus a couple other, a couple of really good bullpen arms. Um, so I, I just, I find it confusing in, in some ways that a team like the, you know, like, like the Rangers that fully sell, like, why, why not sell Lance Lynn? You know, you're talking about a team like the, um, you talk about a team like the oh oh and the, the other one that I was I thought did pretty well was the Reds. The Reds aren't as out of it as people think they are, and uh, Brian Goodwin for for getting Brian Goodwin for pretty much nothing. Um, you know I thought that was a really good trade. So um, as well as who was they got they got someone else too. I'm, I'm kind Archie of Archie Bradley. Like, Archie Bradley, uh, that's a good bullpen arm who's maybe a little bit of a reclamation, but he's pretty pretty good this year. So yeah. Um, He's but got a pretty good hit past, but yeah. So it was a really active deadline. For um, sure. Like we said, we had 25 trades. We weren't sure we would even have you know more than five with how it was, but <laughs> it, it actually seemed to be more of a, a pretty standard deadline than we thought. Um, you know, a couple head scratching moves, but man, we have gone really long on this episode. Yes, we have. Um, so thank you everybody for tuning into this one, um, even though it's a couple days late. Uh, I'm going to try and get it up tonight. I got a couple things to do. If not, um, it'll be up Wednesday. By the time you guys are hearing this, it'll already be up, so it doesn't matter. But uh, thank you guys for tuning into this one. Um, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Yeah, have a good week, everybody.